Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. First Peter chapter 3 verse 18 to 22, reading from the King James Version, it says that, For Christ also has suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, who uh, in the days of Noah, while the ark was uh, preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us, not the putting, putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the, ans- but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Hallelujah. Well, in our previous session, I spoke about how um, God in his own wisdom, um, the angels that were disobedient, the spirits that were disobedient in the days of Noah were kept in prison and, and how Christ in his death went to preach and to declare, went to declare the victory of the cross. Satan planned it against God, but he has lost. Now, what we just read Today is very interesting. We would still have to go back to Noah because I'll be picking it up from verse um, 20 again. It said, which, uh, which sometime were disobedient, talking about the spirits, who were once, uh, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. All right, so I'll pick it from the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. Okay, the, the King James says that whilst the ark was preparing, New King James said it was being prepared. Watch this, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Few, eight souls, were saved by water. I think it would be good if I read it from the New King James. New King James says that, um, it says, verse 20 again, it says that, in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. King James said, saved by water. Here says, saved through water. Saved through water. Saved by water. I thought it was water that judged the earth. And the water was a water of judgment. But let's look at something. There are a few things I would want to establish so it, everything can make sense together. Well, I'll go back. We want to go back to First Peter chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 19. And then we go to chapter 1, verse 18. Then we go to Genesis to read about Noah. Then we come back to the text. So please, I need you to um, follow this carefully. First Peter chapter 2, verse 12. It says that, Having your conversation honest amongst the Gentiles, that, where, that whereas 
they speak against you as evildoers. They may by your good works. So having your conversation, I explained that conversation there means way of life or conduct, okay? So have your way of life. Have your conduct. It says that honest. And I, I remember when I was teaching this, I spoke about honest, kalos. That's the Greek word, kalos. So having your, um, your way of life, kalos. Kalos means excellent. Kalos means handsome. Kalos means beautiful to behold. Kalos means honorable. Kalos means commendable. Kalos means admirable. Kalos means uh, goodly, goodly, so good, sometimes translated goodly. Kalos also means noble. Kalos means better. Kalos means approved. Kalos means surpassing. Kalos means suitable. So he said, having your way of life approved, suitable, surpassing, excellent, noble, beautiful to, to observe, handsome, commendable, our way of life. Now, this is talking about how we live our lives, not a spirit, not like in spirit, how we are in the spirit, but how we are observed practically. That's why it says, let me read it again. It says that having your conversation, having your, your way of life, honorable. Let me read from the, uh, New, King, uh, the New King James. The New King James uh, puts it this way. Um, having your conduct honorable amongst the Gentiles. So your behavior must be honorable. When the Gentiles look at you, when unbelievers look at you, when people who are not with Jesus look at you, they find your, your life very commendable, very beautiful. Everybody looks at you, both believers and unbelievers, they find our lives very commendable. Now, this is the way of life we are called to believe in. Now, look, verse, verse 19 of the same verse, which I've explained before, of the same chapter, said, for this is thankworthy. And I, as I said, this is charis. You remember that message, what's charis? This is commendable. This is acceptable. This is uh, admirable. This is thankworthy. This is charis. This is beautiful. So this, that honorable life, which is beautiful, which is thankworthy, which is gracious, which is charis, that he said that that's how we should live amongst people as a Christian. Now, it's, it's talking about our way of life, our conduct. Okay, so as a human being, there, once we, li we, we live amongst people, people will observe our conducts. And then invariably, depending on the conduct that we live out, which we are supposed, if we live out that conduct, they bring, they give glory to God. But sometimes it might be through suffering. We have to forego some things. We have to sacrifice some things. We have to live a certain way in other to, for this life of beauty that has been built into us, that has been worked into us to be manifested in our actual way of life. And he said, when it's manifested, he said, this is commendable. This is excellent, kalos, or tangwedi, karis. Kalos or karis. And we can do this as we imitate, or uh, as we have Jesus as our example, as our hopos gramos, hopu gramos. So Jesus is our hopu gramos. You remember, I guess, I hope you remember that. So now that is what we are called to do now. Bearing that in mind, we will now jump and to look at Noah's story. In Genesis chapter 
6. I will read from verse 5 to 8, and then verse 12 and 13 and 14, and then chapter 7, verse 1, verse 7, and verse 23. Let's have a look at this quickly, and then we'll go to Hebrews and then Second Peter. Um, about Noah. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Man, the imagination of the thought of man's heart was only, God saw that it was only evil. Man has become so polluted. That's why the spirits were, uh, were imprisoned. Man has been so infiltrated and polluted that it has gone, gotten beyond the point of recovery. And what God hates most is the flesh that has been contaminated, a contaminated flesh. And the flesh was contaminated right from there. So the flesh is not anything better. I actually was supposed to read this for, for you before I go. Let me just do that. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18, which says that, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and, uh, silver and gold, from your vain conversation received, uh, received, from your vain conversation received by Tradition from your fathers. So vain conversation. That conversation is conduct, way of life. So by nature, we have vain conversation. We, are, we can be good at some point. But generally speaking, we, have, we don't have a commendable and excellent or a callous, a charis type of life. Generally speaking. So you can be good in one thing, but found wanting in something else because we are not perfect and there are always flaws about us. And this, we got, how did we get this nature? It came from, uh, it's natural, from our fathers or uh, from your, your, your bloodline. It's in your blood. It's in your bloodline. So he says that, for we know that we have not been redeemed by corruptible things, things like silver and gold from what? From our vain. It doesn't carry, take us anywhere. It doesn't help us to achieve the purposes of God. It's vain. You, you carry it. That's why I said that there are times people live a, life, a certain way of life and it really makes your life be filled with drama, drama. Most people whose lives are filled with a lot of drama and this has happened and my, 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 uh, my boyfriend has done this and my, have been arrested and, and this has happened is because m about 80% of people whose lives are full of drama or filled with drama or anyone going to drama at a point in time, about 80% of them is because they didn't do it God's way. 80% of people with drama in their lives is because they didn't do it God's way. When you do it God's way, it's not vain. So, what, but guess what? We inherited vain way of life. Vain way of life. Even though we have been trained well, whatever, there is still an a under, underlying vain way of life. That vain in the sense that it doesn't bring to pass the glory of God, the purposes of God, vain way of living. Now, if we are supposed to live for Jesus, then the deliverance or the redemption that he gave us must also deliver us from, watch this, from the vain way of life to an excellent way of life. Okay, so we are on our journey, on a, we're on a journey from a vain, being delivered, being rescued from a vain way of life to an excellent way of life. I hope you are, uh, uh, it's, uh, you are getting it. Now, so back to Genesis. It says that God saw that the imagination, every imagination of the thought of his heart, that's man's heart, was only evil continually. Verse 6, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Pastor, what do you mean by repented the Lord? That means that God said, ah, 
It's just sometimes maybe somebody has a, a family member who's been unwell, terminally ill. God forbid that would not be your story. And the doctors have said the person is going to pass this time. Every, the whole family knows, but they, every now and then they are visiting him or her, checking on him, and eventually the person goes. Even though the, the, uh, the uh, um, A may, might know that the loved one is about to die, it's not the same. When the person passes, it still brings grief. So God already knows what will happen. And God didn't make us do it. He gave us free will to live for him. But we used our free will against his people. So sometimes when you, you read the scripture, you come across this, the phrase, and God repented, and God regretted. And God. It doesn't mean God doesn't know anything. But it means that God knew that man would do that. He's omniscient. And when man did that, Bible talks about how God doesn't desire that any of us should perish. Even though he knew Judas was going to choose that path, and he didn't, he wouldn't stop Judas. He knew it, but when Judas did it, it wasn't, it wasn't nice. It's so, so Bible says that, and the, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him uh, at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy, watch, this is very important. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowl of the air, uh, for it repented me that I have made them. God said, I've, uh, it's, it's, I've, I've, I feel sorry I've made them. And I'm going to wipe because man was so polluted that he was completely vain through and through a useless for the purpose of God. So since man was useless for the purpose of God, God said, I'm going to wipe out all humanity. Watch this. There is a but. I said there is always a but when God is working. I don't know what you are going through, but let me know. Let me let you know that when God is involved in your life, there will always be a but. In this instance, Bible says that verse eight. But Noah found grace in the sight, in the eyes of the Lord. But a lot of things are going on in your family, not good. Your bloodline, your family, your background, uh, your the things in your past, and that and that and that. But God, I see somebody finding favor, finding grace with God. But it changes the situation. It means that what I have said is true, on, but there is a change of focus and direction. There is a, another truth that is different from the truth I've said. Another truth. In the same, they are all true. But I, I'm about to introduce another uh, thought, uh, line of thought. So Noah found grace before God. V remember this very well. Verse 12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh, keyword, all, all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. That's it's too, it's too much. And God said to Noah, God, Noah has found grace before God. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. Um, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I will destroy them with the God said, I'm going to clear everybody. So what, what's God's plan of doing that? He's going to bring judgment. So he said, verse 14, make an ark of gopher wood, Rooms shall thou make in the ark and uh, shall pitch it uh, within and without with pitch. Now, he said, make an ark. Why should I make an ark? Because I'm about to destroy and wipe out uh, uh, humanity from the face of the earth. I'm about to bring judgment. 
Now, why did God have to bring judgment? Two main reasons. Number one, God had to bring judgment because God is a God of righteousness and he must judge unrighteousness. And this, they have taken it to its uh, uh, extreme, uh, extreme level and God said, now, it's too late. There's nothing I can do with man again. So I'm going to wipe out man and then continue with my plan. Even if there's only one, I can continue my plan with him. So God had to judge, uh, bring judgment because he's a righteous and a holy God who judges sin and must judge sin. So that's number one. One reason why God had to bring judgment. And what was the judgment? He allowed, before God created the heavens and the earth, if you remember, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, the the, um, the the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and then God commanded the water to back off and commanded the uh, land to emerge. So everywhere was covered with water. So he said, okay, I'm just going to bring water back to wipe out the waters of, it's called the waters of judgment. So watch, this is very important. So God brought water back. He said, I'm going to bring water on this earth to flood the whole earth and wipe out everybody apart from Noah. But if I'm going to bring water on this earth and flood everywhere, Noah is also on this earth. And so I have to preserve him. So that's why God told Noah, build an ark. So what was the purpose of the ark? The purpose of the ark was to save Noah from what? Not from the, uh, um, uh, was to save Noah actually from the, the flood that was coming. And the flood or represented the judgment of God. Okay, so the flood had to come to, to clear off. That was God's judgment of punishment for the human beings. How about the spirits? They were put in prison. All right, so God wiped them out. So Noah needed the ark to save, which is very important, to save him from the, from the judgment or from the judging waters. Now watch the chapter 7 verse 1 says that, and the Lord said unto Noah, come thou all, uh, come thou and all thy house into the ark for, for thee have I seen righteousness before me in, in this, the same generation in which God said, there's none right, they, they all have polluted themselves and are spoiling everything. They, they fill the earth with violence. God said, yet have you, you, you said, for, he said, uh, for thee have I seen righteous. God said, you are righteous before me. You are behaving well. And I like you and your household. That means that his household was also righteous because the uh, Bible calls him, he was a preacher of righteousness. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Look at this. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Bible said, and spared not the old world. That's talking about God. Time will not permit him to go free from verse 4. But spared not the old world, but saved Noah. God saved Noah and, the, and uh, saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the worlds of the ungodly. So the flood came on the worlds of the ungodly to clear them off, but save Noah. So if there's a flood, there is something that can handle flood. That is a boat or a giant ark. So he said, build an ark, not for me, but for the saving of your house. So God brought judgment. Look at faith. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not yet seen, seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark, watch this, toward the saving of his house. So the ark was to save his house. From what? From the judging flood. So the flood 
came to judge the earth. One reason for the flood is because God is righteous and he had to judge and punish unrighteousness. So he brought the flood as punishment and to, as, a, as judgment and punishment against the ungodliness that has uh, uh, saturated the earth. So number one reason is to bring the, uh, for, for the flood was to judge ungodliness. But how can he spare Noah? He, Noah needed an ark to save him. So what was the purpose of the ark? The purpose of the ark was to save him from what? From what? From the judging waters. So waters came. Look at this. Back to Genesis chapter 7, verse 7. It says that Noah went in and his sons and his his wife and his son's wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. So they went in and they escaped from the waters of the flood. Now, finally, look at verse 23 of Genesis chapter 7. It says that, and every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of, uh, face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowls of the heaven and they, and they were destroyed from the earth. Everything was destroyed from the earth. Everything, the flood came to destroy everything. However, watch this. And Noah only re remained alive and they that were with him were in the ark. So the ark saved them. Watch, this is very important. That's where I'm going. The ark saved Noah and his family from the flood, from the judging flood, they had the ark to save them. So God had a purpose to bring judgment. But what was the second purpose of the ark? Oh, sorry, of the, of the flood. The second purpose of the flood. Why did God bring the flood? Number one, to judge or yeah, to bring judgment on the earth. Number so how would Noah be delivered from the judgment that was coming? An ark. So the ark delivered him. However, we, going back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 3, I need you to follow this very carefully. In 1 Peter chapter 3, back to the verse 20 from the latter part. Let me read from the um, New King James Version. It says that um, no, while the ark was being prepared, uh, Prepare in the which in which a few that is eight souls were saved through water. King James it says that um, wherein few that is eight souls were saved. Now saved. Watch this. This is very important. Saved by water. New King James says saved through water. Then said saved by water. Ah, watch this. Uh, but pastor, what you, I thought you said the ark saved them. Yeah, the ark saved them from the water, from the flood. But here it says that rather they were saved either through the flood or by the water. So the flood, the water, actually, oh, oh, the, watch this, the flood that came in the days of Noah, the waters that came in the days of Noah were not just judging waters, but they were also saving waters. Hallelujah! Saving waters. The water came, it's from, right, right, you can see in the text. The water came and saved Noah and his family. Eight people were saved through the water. They were saved by the water. I thought the water came to judge. One purpose for the water to judge. Second purpose of the water was to save. Hallelujah. Second purpose of the water was to save. Was to save them from then what? Because then. 
The flood saved them from the judgment that God brought on the earth, so they were exempt from the judgment. But how about the water? The water was the judgment. So how, in what way was the water saving them? The water saved them from a polluted generation, so that because he was righteous, God had to save the righteous man from being overrun, being run over, being infiltrated by this unrighteous, heavily polluted generation. Everywhere they turned, they were, they were polluted people. They People were filthy. They were gone. They were of no good again for God. And Noah was there and his family. Noah's family had to be protected. So God saved them. In fact, the same Peter, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 40, because of my time, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, Bible says that, and with many other words, he exhorted them. Verse 38 talks about how he said, 37 said, what shall we do? The people asked him when he was preaching, talking about Peter. And 38, Peter said to them that repent and, watch this, repent and be baptized. Be baptized for the remission of sins. Oh, oh, and you shall receive the gift of the Father, uh, or the, the, the gift of the Spirit. So repent. When they asked Peter, what should I do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. Repentance and baptism are your way forward. Repentance and baptism are your way forward. You need repentance. You need baptism. Those two is one root. It's just a root. You can't have only repentance without baptism. And you can't have only baptism without repentance. They go hand in hand. Repentance is the key. Baptism is the, is the physical outward evidence of the manifestation or of the exercising of somebody's faith. Watch this. So Peter said, repent and be baptized. Then in the verse 40, Bible says, with many other words, he exhorted them and say, saying, be saved from this generation. Uh -uh. Remember Noah's day. Peter said, Peter spoke about it in Peter chapter, first Peter chapter 13, chapter 3. Here, he said, repent, be baptized. And then he kept talking to them. He said, Bible said, with many words, he was actually exhorting them to be saved from this Corrupt generation. New King James, I think, says that perverse generation. King James says that untoward generation. This generation that is, is bad, polluted generation. What does that mean? Where, <laughs> what does that mean? What we receive, traditions, uh oh, the vain way of life which we have received. We need to be saved from this vain way of life. So Peter, just the same way that Noah was saved in his household, they were saved through the waters. Watch this. Through the waters from a perverse generation, Peter also told them, repent, be baptized. So you'll be saved from this perverse generation. Are you trying to tell us that salvation is about the generation? No, two ways. Main, mainly salvation is to save us from God's judgment, to save us from hellfire, to save us from God's anger, and to make peace with God. Bible says God reconciled the world to himself through Christ. So we have been reconciled. We have been saved from the the judgment of God, from the punishment of God, from hellfire. We've been saved when you are born again. But that's not the only salvation. There's also the second aspect of your salvation that must be manifested. We have to be saved from our vain conversation, vain manner of life to an excellent man. You remember, kalos, 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 that excellence and honorable, a, 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 a 
befitting, a beautiful, a handsome, a, an admirable, a commendable way of living, a, a goodly way of living, a useful way of living, a magnificent way of living, a praiseworthy way of living, a surpassing way of living, a suitable way of living. Hallelujah! genuine way of living this we are supposed to live like that it's a way of life but you can't just flow into it f- without being saved what, what pastor what do you mean we are saved from from the judgment of god so we won't go to hell but whilst we are on earth we also have to sister you have to be saved from the pollution from your the your the people around you the worlds around us the things that we see bible says that we know that the whole world first john chapter 5 verse 19 we know that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one it lies at the sway the evil one is the one determining the tune of the song and the world is dancing to the tune of the song of the evil one but we are a chosen generation because we have been redeemed from the power of darkness. He told Paul, I'm calling you and sending you to go and re- redeem them, uh, redeem them from the kingdom of darkness, from the king, from Satan's power, Satan's authority and his kingdom. I'm sending you to move them from darkness. I said, I'm sending you to go and re- turn them from, uh, from uh, the power of darkness to light, from the power of Satan and unto God. So anyone who is not in Christ is under the control of the enemy. Now, when we are born again, there's still, watch this, this is the, the key point. You are born again, but there is still the influence, the worldly influence by virtue of your human nature and the pollution in the flesh. We are flesh and the desires of the flesh is called the filth of the flesh. The filth of the flesh is the flesh is filthy. The flesh is polluted. The human nature is not the best. When I say it's not the best, so long as God's agenda, God's economy, God's purpose is concerned and glorifying God, the human nature. That's why when anyone dies, they rot and they have to be buried because they will stink and they will transfer sicknesses or they'll become uh, uh, an agent of um, sickness and causing problems because this flesh, this flesh, this flesh, that's why we have to keep washing, bathing, taking care of the flesh because once you leave it, it's going. It's on its way down. The flesh is on its way down. The flesh is on it. That is why it's a very, it's not the best thing for a person to give all your focus on your body, your physical. You have to take good care of your body. Why? Because your spirit needs this body to function. It's a house, but that house is not permanent. So don't live like all there is to you, sister, all there is to you, there is to you is just your makeup. All there is to you is just your hairstyle, brother. All that you spend all your time at the gym, every time going to gym, oh, and you are looking powerful and maturistic. So, you know, some people, all their focus in life and their value has got to do with their looks. How they, they, are, they are eating well, drinking well, exercising well, and that's all. If you take that out, there's nothing to you. No, no, that's not a good life. That's not a good life. That's not an excellent life. But this is what we have received by tradition from our fathers. And we have been delivered from that as well. And so when Peter said, be delivered, be be saved from this generation, that is what he meant. Noah was saved by the water from this generation. I hope I've made myself clear. Now, let's take it further a little bit. 
When you read the Bible very carefully, I want to teach you something. I want to explain some theological terminologies. It's not a big theology, but it's biblical terminology. For instance, Romans chapter 5, verse 14, it says that, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who have not sinned, sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Adam is a type of him who is to come. A type. The key word here is type. Type. It's a type. Adam is a type of him. So when you, as I taught the other time, when you look at the Old Testament, there were different people in the Old Testament who were, a type means like a picture. When you look at Isaac, in a certain way, Isaac is like a Jesus. Okay. When you look at Joseph, in a certain way, his brothers rejected him and they sold him into slavery. Jesus was rejected and was sold by his own people, all right? So when you look at that, there's a way where Joseph is a type of Jesus. He's not Jesus. Moses is the type of Jesus. In what way? How Moses brought the Israelites out of bondage from Egypt. Jesus brings us out of the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So, it, it, so when we read type, like the, the lamb that was slain or the lamb, Passover lamb, I mentioned it the other time, the Passover lamb is a type of Christ. He is our actual Passover according to 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. So Christ is our Passover. So a lot of things in the Old Testament, they are actually depicting or pointing to Christ and they are actually types. So Adam was a type of Christ. Okay, so in the Old Testament, it's not only Christ that was typified there, but so in the Old Testament, when we say something is a type, when you come to the New Testament, whatever that thing was a type of, that thing becomes it's called an anti-type. So, for instance, this is the Old Testament, or this is the Old Testament. This, what you are seeing in the Old Testament is a type of this. So, like, Moses was a type of Christ, okay? He's a type of Christ, or from the text we just read. Adam is a type of Christ. So, how about Christ? Christ is the anti-type of Adam, okay? Christ is the anti-type of Adam, whilst Adam is a type. So the original thing that was, was being represented is the anti-type, and whatever was representing it is the type. Like, let's say, I cast my shadow on the wall. My shadow is a type of me, and I am the anti-type of my shadow. This brings me to another word, shadows. When you read the, the, the New Testament, particularly Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, it talks about how these are shadows. The things that they did, those things were shadows. So, so chapter 10, verse 1, 8, verse 5, 10, verse 1, and Colossians chapter 2, verse 17. These are, it talks about how all those things they were doing in the Old Testament, they were shadows. They were shadowing something. So they foreshadowed it. So the original is Christ and the New Testament church. So once it comes, we don't need, that's why we in church, we don't burn candles. That's why in church, we don't burn candles as a way of worshiping God. That's why in church, we don't slaughter cows and sacrifices because those things were all a type. They were shadowing Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice, all right? So these are shadows. So you now I've mentioned types, as I mentioned anti-types, and I've mentioned shadows. But uh, then the figure. So sometimes anti-type is also called a figure. That means when we say something is a type or anti-type, it's, it's just a, a picture. It's, it's depicting something else. 
is depicting something else else apart from itself. So Moses was depicting Christ apart from Moses. So there are ways you look at Moses, you can see the works of Christ being manifested in a certain miniature version in the life of Moses. Now, here he says, having understood this, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter um, First Peter chapter 3, verse 20 again. So First Peter chapter 3, verse 20, it's, I'm reading from the new, I prefer to read from the new King James Version, so it makes it a little bit easier. First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Um, who formerly, talking about the angels, all right, in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, um, in, in which a few, that is eight souls were saved through water. Watch this, through water, verse 21, through water. Please don't forget, don't, don't miss this, this is very important. They were saved through water. There is also what? An antitype, okay? An antitype which now saves us. Oh, watch this, watch this. So there is also an antitype now which is serving, who are the us? We, the church, we, the New Testament church, there is an antitype. What's an antitype? Which is just like the type, what happened in the days of Noah? What? They were saved by water. They were saved through water. Now, it says that there is also an antitype, as an, the original, that was a type of what is the originally to come. What was a type? Noah's flood was a type. And what did the flood do? The flood brought judgment, but second one, the flood saved Noah. The flood from what we just read, they were saved by the flood and now we are also being saved because he said there's an antitype in our times a, a, a picture of what happened is still happening so the original thing that is to happen that was being foreshadowed by Noah's time is now what we are going to experience and what is it they were saved from the perverse generation Peter said be saved from this perverse and this uh, uh, um, dangerous generation now see what he said how do you save from this dangerous generation? It's, I read it again. There is also an antitype, King James says, figure. There is also an antitype which saves us. Baptism. Hallelujah. What? Pastor, say that again. No, I didn't say it. The scripture said it. He said, baptism is. Baptism is an antitype. Uh, in other words, I think antitype makes it too complex. Baptism is a, a picture. It's a picture. It's a de- accurate depiction of how Noah and his family were saved by or through the water. They were saved through the water. And baptism, you need water for baptism. So the baptism, you can put it to the water of baptism, the water of judgment in the days of Noah is a type, is a type of the water of baptism. Oh, so if the water of baptism saved them, so long as saving is concerned, save them, then the water of baptism is also saying. It saves us. That is what the scripture is saying that which now saves us. Let me read it again. Very interesting. It said that there is also an antitype which now saves us. Now, we are also being saved from what? The way they were saved 
by the water from what? From the corrupted generation. We are also being saved from the corrupted generation or being saved from the corruption of vain, watch this, vain way of living, vain manner of life. Where do we get it from? From our fathers and from the transition of our fathers. We are being saved from the vain, useless manner of life so we can live the callous manner of life, the useful, the beneficial, the beautiful, the handsome, the commendable, the admirable, the noble, the honest, the excellent manner of life that is carries. Hallelujah. So to live that life, you have to be saved to live that life. But saved by what? It's about baptism. Now, on this note, may I say this? There are people who teach, some of you might not be aware, but it's good to know, something, is called, something which is called baptismal regeneration or baptismal salvation. That makes it easier. But what's baptismal salvation? That, the teaching that says you are not saved until you get baptized. And it doesn't matter what you do. Once you get baptized, that means salvation. No, 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 no. Baptism is not is not what saves. The thief on the cross, Luke 23, 43, was not saved, but he made it. Sorry, he was not, I'm sorry about that. He was not baptized, but he made it. House of Cornelius, whilst Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost came upon all those who, lay, who were listening. And uh, Acts chapter 10, from verse 44, 45, and they began to speak in tongues. So the Holy Ghost, and when he went back, he said, if it pleased God to save them, well, to also give them the Spirit. How can God give the Spirit to an unsaved person? So they were saved. They believed that we were saved. So watch this. Baptism is not a requirement for your salvation. Uh, but pastor, you say he saves us. Yeah, I'm going there. It's going there. Because let, let, I think, let me read it again. Watch this. It says that there is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Watch, then he had to put into bracket, please bear in mind, not the removal of the filth of the flesh. So this is not the one that takes care of our sins. It's not that. It's not about the filth of the flesh. It's not saving us. The filth of the flesh is in two ways. I'm going to explain that. But let me finish explaining the baptism bit. And so baptism is means of uh, God's, so what is baptism? Sorry, ba- I was talking about baptismal salvation or baptismal regeneration. Baptismal regeneration is where they say once you're baptized, that means you are saved. No, if, if you are not baptized, you are not saved. No, salvation comes purely by faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, so baptismal salvation, they quote scriptures. The scriptures for that is Acts chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He said, who go into the world and preach. And then those who believe, he said, those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. So he says, see, baptism is what saves you. And then in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Ananias said to Saul, what are you waiting for? Get up and get baptized, call on the name of Jesus so you'll be saved. So they say, see, he was saved by baptism. No, we are not saved by baptism, but we are saved by faith in the blood of Christ. We are saved by faith in the work of the cross. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Is faith alone. Is faith alone in Christ alone. Sola fide in solus Christos. Sola fide in solus Christos. Faith alone in Christ alone. That is what saves us. Not faith 
plus something. No, faith alone. But faith that saves us is not alone because it says, they that believe, Mark 16, 16, they that believe and are baptized. Now, so why do we have to be baptized? That is why I'm teaching this. When you are baptized, baptism, watch this, this is very important. Baptism is a symbol that you are a believer. Baptism is a symbol that you have identified with the death. Okay, so you identify with the death of Christ, you identify with the burial of Christ, and guess what? If you identify with his death and identify with his burial, that means that you also identify with his resurrection. Hallelujah. And so that is, baptism is a symbol of identifying with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number two, baptism is not just a symbol, it is also a counterpart of faith. In other words, if you have a, if you have saving faith, you, you if you have saving faith, you'll be baptized. Get yourself baptized, bro. You are in church. You've been in church for a long time. You said you are born again. You believe in Jesus. Why is it that you haven't been baptized? I was baptized when I was a child. No, no, that's not what. That one, it didn't, it wasn't the faith one. It was a church tradition. But now you have to be baptized. It's called credo baptism. Baptism after your creed, after your faith. Baptism that goes with your faith. is a, a, Baptism is a counterpart of faith. So if you, after you believe you haven't been baptized, then you are, you are missing out on something. Does that mean I won't go to, you won't go to heaven? No, you will go if you are genuinely born again. But guess what? On this earth, something is not quite okay with your spiritual life. Get baptized. I challenge you based on scripture. Get baptized. So baptism is a simple. Baptism is a counterpart of faith. But now going back to the text, look, listen to what he said. He said, not the removal of faith, filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Oh, baptism is an answer of a good conscience towards God. Yes. So uh, at the end, New American Standard Bible says that it's an appeal. That's the original Greek word. The original Greek word translated an answer to a good is, is a perotema. Epirotema means that there have been a bit of theologians and scholars are, have varied based on the, the meaning. But it means appeal, it means answer, it means craving, it means inti- intense desire. So it says that it's an intense desire to God. Baptism is an intense desire to God. Uh, let me read it again. It said, baptism uh, is, is an answer. So the answer means intense desire. It's appeal. Appeal of a good conscience to God. Appeal of a good conscience to God. I will come back on that in a bit, but let me go again and throw a little bit more light on baptism. Baptism, there are two major events in the Old Testament that were typifying baptism. When I say typify, I guess you get what I mean. A type of baptism, which is now an anti-type. The first one is what we've just spoken about, Moses. The second one, according uh, 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 in Exodus chapter 14, verse 22, the Bible says, they walked through the Red Sea on dry grounds with the sea becoming like wall on, le- on the left and the right. And then verse 29, too, says the same. The sea, they walked through the sea, okay? And then we found out by Paul in First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, it says that they were all baptized into Moses. Wow! They were all baptized in the wilderness into Moses. So when they went through, watch this, when they went through the Red Sea, it was also a type 
of baptism because baptism must always be with water. In, uh, in um, John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said, except you be born of the Spirit and of water. It's water. John, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, uh, John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming who baptized with the Spirit. So water baptism, water, water plays a major role. And so they went through water. That's why we have to be also be baptized in water. When we are baptized, it's, we are identifying with Christ, his death, burial, and not only death and burial, with resurrection. So he says that Moses, they, sorry, they were baptized into Moses. How about us? You remember I told you Moses was actually a type of Christ. So if they were baptized into Moses, we are also being baptized into Christ. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. It said that we are baptized into Christ. It's there. Galatians 3 27. We are baptized into Christ. In the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 3, it talks about if we are baptized into Christ, into Christ we are baptized into his death. So baptism means we are being baptized into the death of Christ. We are uniting, we are uniting with Christ in his death so that we will also be, oh, oh, the death part, the entering the water is not the end. The end bit comes. Hallelujah. That is where when you go into the water, you come out. Noah and the family went through the flat waters, the judging waters, and when they came out, guess what? They have been saved. Saved from what? From the perverse generation. They came to meet a whole brand new world. A brand new world. They, and they, there was no, oh, oh, thank you. There was no way they could go back. They could go back to their former life. There, could, there was no way they could go back to the tradition received from their fathers. Ha, ha, ha. The vain, the vain manner of life. They couldn't go back because it was too late. Why? Because they've been through the baptismal water. Hallelujah. They couldn't go back. So they could only go forward to an excellent life. They could only go forward to a Karish type of life, a tank-worthy type of life, a, 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 a commendable type of life, an excellent type of life. How about the children of Israel? When they came after the Red Sea, Pharaoh was terminated. Pharaoh and his Egypt was terminated. There was no way they could go back to Egypt. Egypt was now history. Egypt because of the waters of baptism. And so these two major waters of baptism or types of baptism in the Old Testament, we could see there was no way they could go back, but rather from when they came out of the water, they were introduced into a new world. I'm telling you, God is bringing you into a new world. He got us born again to bring us into a new world, a new world of a certain conduct, a new world of, of honorable conduct, a new world. But you can't just leave it. You need to go through the baptism. In what way? Pastor, I've been baptized, but I still have these feelings. I've been baptized, but I still go through these things. Oh, yes, I have an answer for you. He says that it doesn't remove the filth from the, of the body. Is there. Is there? First Peter chapter um, four, chapter three, verse twenty-one. There is also an antitype that now, that now saves us: baptism, not the removal of the filth from the flesh. So the death of the fallen nature. Baptism is not there to remove the death or the defilement of the fleshly lust. The defilement of the fleshly lust is still there. So there's a way we can be skewed and every now and then the feelings might come back. But guess what? Once we are baptized, we are baptized onto a new way of living. 
okay, into a new way. Baptism unto a new way of living. Baptism unto an excellent way of life. Baptism unto an, we are baptized unto an excellent way of life. How does that happen? Because remember, we inherited a vain way of life from our fathers by nature. The fallen nature donated to us a vain way of life. But thank God for the deliverance in Christ, the redemption in Christ. So the Christ, what Christ accomplished on the cross is what brings us redemption. But we, when we, we receive that, and up, it is received by us and applied in baptism by the Holy Spirit. So when we go to the baptism, Holy Ghost is actually working, applying the work of the cross, the finished redemptive work of the cross in our physical living. He's beginning to apply so that when you come out of the water, guess what happens? In Romans chapter, chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, Romans chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, it says that when you come out of the water, you want, to, you want to see this. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, hallelujah, <laughs> even, I like those, you know, I like those phrases, even so, two major phrases, even so we also, even so we also, even so, so Christ didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected from the dead. He came out into a new, that's why he could vanish through walls. That's why he went up. He just went up with his resurrected body. Now, when he resurrected, Bible says, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, that he became a life-giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, Jesus Christ became a life-giving spirit. So we have the resurrection life. When you are born again, it's the spirit of resurrection that is at work in you. When you go to the baptism. Watch this. So when you go through baptism, the finished work on the cross, the Holy Spirit that when, when we accept it, the Holy Spirit applies it to us in baptism. How does he do it? Through the resurrection. Yeah, is there? Is there? Let me go back to the text. Um, um, first Peter. Let me read it from the King James. Anyway, okay. New King James. Let's, let's, um, New King, verse 21. There is also a an antitype which now saves us baptism, not the removal, 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 not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. I didn't explain that. Good conscience towards God. When you are being baptized, you are actually pledging a good conscience towards God. You are demanding, you are pleading, you are pledging, you are uh, uh, desiring, you are craving a good conscience. Your work with God requires good conscience. As you work with God, you must have good conscience because Christ has saved you, but there are things that were in your life that you have to sort out with God. So once you go through the water of baptism, what you have, it's a faith statement that I have actually believed everything you have done on the cross for me, and I'm taking this physical act because the faith is in the heart, but I'm taking this physical act to seal it so it's, it's like you have sorted away things with God. It brings you peace. So it brings you peace. So baptism saves us from this corrupt generation or corrupt influence of the generation and allows us to have the opportunity to walk in newness of life. That's very important. Just as Christ was raised. Let me go back to Romans again. Romans chapter, um, all right. Romans chapter 6, verse Five. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We, 
Yeah, there's a power of resurrection that gets activated in us. Let me read the verse 4. Therefore, by, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also will walk in what? New, we will walk. We will walk. It's there. It's there. Even so, even so, we also we will walk. It's our manner of life. We will live this newness of life, which is called the excellent way of living. So we need the baptism. And then after baptism, we come out of the water, just like Noah and his team came out of the water, just like Moses and the children of Israel came out of the Red Sea into a new world. We too will go into the waters of baptism and come out into a newness of life, just like the resurrection brought Jesus into a newness of life. And then it is um, the resurrection is the key point in this text. The resurrection is what makes it possible. Watch this. Let me read it again from the um, original text, uh, what we're reading, 1 Peter chapter 3. Therefore, therefore, there is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It mentions it here. It's here. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says that we are regenerated unto living hope, unto a, a, a life, a way of life that is full of hope, a living hope, an active hope. We are living in hope. That new way of living, that new life, it's, it says that by the resurrection, do you see that? Of Jesus Christ. So we were, re, re, we were regenerated unto a living, God has regenerated us unto a living hope by the resurrection. So when you go into the water, the reason why you go into the water is because you are supposed to come out of the water. So you go out into the, into the water. So Noah, Noah's day, the waters were waters of judgment, but the waters came to save Noah from the past, save Noah from the corrupt generation, save Noah from the tradition, vain tradition, vain manner of life handed by the fathers into, into a new way of living, into an excellent, a, a kalos, a kalos, kalos way of living, excellent way, beautiful way, handsome way, commendable way, admirable way, noble way, goodly way, honest way, all that. We have been born again. So when we go through the water, we emerge. We come out of the water in faith. But pastor, I've been baptized. I don't feel it. It's, it's not about feeling. It's a reality. Once you put your faith in Jesus, it actually has been endorsed. Now you can live the excellent life. We, we can't challenge people to live an excellent life if they haven't believed in Jesus and demonstrating their belief by going through baptism. Because once you go through baptism, you have completed the, you have sealed the cycle on earth that it requires. Uh, the cycle it requires to walk in this excellent way of life. I'm talking about baptism into excellent way of life. I know you say, Pastor, I said, what does baptism do? It's, baptism is a symbol of we identifying with the death, burial, and burial, the, identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Number two is the counterpart of our belief. Number three is an appeal. It's a witness. It's a testimony. It's our testimony. It's a witness, appeal of a good conscience to God. That conscience that testifies, yeah, yes, I got it right with God. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, the baptism sealed that. It's, a, it's an appeal. It's a witness. It's a testimony of a good conscience towards God. And then finally, let me add this. Once your conscience is clean towards God, it gives peace in living the glorious life or the excellent life. You have the peace to live the excellent life by the spirit of resurrection who is in you by the spirit of resurrection 
increase in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.